You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. All right. I was just told I have to compensate for the morning lull because we're doing this early in the morning, folks. I don't want to be in a lull. I want to be uh, the opposite of a lull, whatever that is. <laughs> the thing is, when you think you're animated in the morning, you're just barely getting by sometimes. And that's not just for you. It's for most people. I do have a large coffee. I think it's the equivalent of a Starbucks venti, but it's from McDonald's. Yeah, they have good coffee. Yeah, I've said it. I've said, I think I've said it more than once on this podcast. It's a perfectly acceptable morning coffee. I think it's actually very good. I enjoy just it. Just the regular brew from McDonald's. None of the f- fluffy, none of the frou-frou, just black coffee. I have a little bit of cream in mine. I would rather have that black coffee than a Pike Place. Absolutely. What about... Uh, a blonde? Blonde roast? Yeah. I'd rather have it than the blonde roast. I'd rather have it than any... What about Starbucks coffee? Edge Sumatra? I don't know. <laughs> I have the... Starbucks makes pods for the Nespresso now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can get them exclusively at Target for kind of a lot of money. And they're not that good. They've got the Sumatra, they got the Colombian blend, and the Ethiopian blend. The Ethiopian blend is the best. I'm throwing signals on my Nespresso. I think it's at its end of its life. Well, how long have you had it? Two years. That's about their lifespan. Is it really? Well, it, before you had, well, when did you descale it? Ooh. I got to maintain. Uh-oh. Better to maintain what's good than fix Uh-oh. what's broken. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just throwing a blue light, which means an internal leak. And apparently that means no bueno, no real no hope. Bueno. It's on its way out. But. Yeah, I've had to. I had, We got one when we first got married, 2017. Uh-huh. We descaled it twice. Yes. And it finally kicked the fan in late 2022. Oh, that's five so, years. Yeah. But I would expect it to last a little longer. I mean. My mom had a bun coffee maker from the time I was born to the time I moved out of the house, and then I made her get a new coffee pot. Wow. Yeah. That's a big shout-out to bun, folks. I like bun. You know, bun has uh, – they they have a extra reservoir that keeps water hot all the time. That's why a bun will brew so fast. They say it's like three minutes, isn't it? You have a full pot of coffee in it's crazy. three minutes. It's crazy. If this one does kick the bucket, which it looks like it really – is doing that right now as we speak. I'm going to go to probably just a regular drip coffee pot, and I want to get one of the programmed ones where I can just wake up and have a hot oh, cup man, of coffee. I'm still, I am, I am saving up. Believe in God for extra income for that espresso machine. The one where you got to do it all yourself. My wife's like, why do you want to create more work? Because it's therapeutic. I believe that. To me. It's therapeutic. Going through the puck prep, you got to distribute the beans, you got to tamp it properly, all that kind of stuff. Then steaming, frothing your own milk. That's a that's a good time. I've talked long enough about coffee. Well, let's get right into this podcast. I'm calling this podcast Genealogy of Humility. I'm going to talk about humility today uh, and why I want to talk about humility really started at the beginning of this year, actually, probably in December, and a lot of churches, ours included, we get a word from God for the year. 2022 was the year to see it through. I really, for the first time in my life, to be honest, really grasped hold of that, saw some things through to the end, and then this year, 
thought the direction we were going was year of Jubilee, which is totally great. If you are believing God for the year of Jubilee, you can do that. It's a Jubilee year. year. Yeah. And in our bookstore, we actually have a hoodie that can help you with that. It says, say, restore. Might I add, that's a very good fitting hoodie. I have not tried it on, but I it fits really one. nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. That's the thing that, that bothers me about hoodies. If they, if they act like a cape in the wind, you know, they're not hugging nicely to your body. Well said. My wife told me it's because I should be in the gym more and my posterior would be a little bit bigger and then and then uh, the hoodie would fit better. <laughs> Your posterior would <laughs> fit a little bigger. One more junk in the trunk of muscle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's what Jubilee means. It means to restore what is lost. And I know somebody who really grasped hold of this. They like to ride snowmobiles and they told somebody at the beginning of the year the snow was going to be biblical because it was a jubilee year and if you're in colorado and your snow machine and you know that the snow is amazing i'm not one of those people but i've heard it from those that have done it that there's people in their 30s and they've never seen snow as good as it wow. is here in colorado so you can extend your faith for this year that god's going to restore things unto you but the direction we got from pastor mark was a turning point year. 2023 would be a turning point year, a year of significant change. And I like that. And the reason I liked it is it didn't rhyme because sometimes it seems like for it to be something from God, it has to rhyme. But God... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe and, it's the opposite. No, because we've had so many that have rhymed, you'd have to say that God, uh, they missed it all those times and they haven't. God actually spoke to me personally. He spoke to you personally. He gave you the Nike symbol. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, that. It was like an open vision of a big swoosh. No, I mean, it's not that spiritual. I just, it just that's what popped into my head yeah. when I was praying. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the trance that he fell into, he obedience, received, which means obedience. Yeah. Just do it. And yeah, you've been talking about anything. that. I think God yeah. was priming you for that because you read that book, the five second rule, and just just doing yep. things. Yep. Don't don't overthink it. You and I have the temptation to be overthinkers to maybe think ourselves out of obedience at yeah. times. Is that fair to say? I'm including myself in that's this. That's fair. So you're just doing it. I have a little bit of sense to myself in that, but the year God told me is 2023 is the year of humility. And you might ask, John, why is 2023 the year of humility? Well, I'm working on my marriage, not because my marriage is bad. My marriage is good. What we talked about earlier, better to maintain what's good than fix what's broken. But my wife loves humility. I want to be attractive to my wife. If she likes it, I'm going after it. And I think a lot of us, sometimes we feel like our personality and some of our characteristic traits, our character traits are untouchable, like that's who we are. But I totally believe that God can transform our personality and honestly that he should, that Christ and God have personality and uh, we should submit our personality even to him. So I'm becoming more humble for that reason. And also I love grace. Grace is how we get everything from God. You go, well, faith is how you get everything from God. Absolutely. But grace has to make it available before faith can grab it. Grace is three parts. Pastor Mark's talked about this. And I think that grace has been given uh, not full view from the body of Christ for a long time. Pastor Mark shares with New Creation Church the three parts of grace. And I look at them as a progression. Number one, you don't want to jump past unmerited favor. That God doesn't just love you, he likes you. Uh, you are his child and he's for you. That's unmerited favor. Second part being the divine influence upon your heart that has its reflection in your life. Anytime you spend time 
meditating on the fact that God is for you, not against you, that his favor is towards you, it's going to influence your heart. If you let it pass just your physical and mental realms, it's going to hit your heart. And that's going to have a reflection in life. Yeah. I think that's when you start living by grace instead of the law. And Paul had this revelation. It totally affected his life. But how is it going to have a reflection in your life? The third part of grace, which is empowerment. Mm-hmm. God's empowerment to do what you could not do of yourself. So unmerited favor, divine influence upon the heart that has its reflection in your life, and that reflection will come out in empowerment. That's grace. Amen. And uh, let's see what Peter had to say about grace in pride, uh, because pride is really the enemy of humility. If you're going to work on humility, uh, the guy you're going to have to knock out in the ring is pride. I'm thinking of Creed. Did you see the? I haven't most seen recent? the new one. I was going to say really Pride standing it. at about six foot four, two two thirty five, two forty, ready to knock you it's out. A formidable foe. Formidable, but not undefeatable. <laughs> formidable, but not undefeatable. I like that. Let's read it. First Peter five five through six in the New King James translation says, "Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another." And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I'm going after humility because I want to experience grace. But before that, we see that foe, pride. And God, he really does not like pride. It says, God resists the proud. Now, my initial thought of resist, uh, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe this is being a little too vulnerable. Maybe I'm the only one who experiences this. But... Have you ever frustrated your girlfriend or your wife, and then you like go in for a hug, and it's like, like they kind of like, like don't, yes. don't do that right now. That's what I see resisting like, and that's kind of like, oh, it's a bummer. They won't necessarily be overly affectionate in that moment. But I was on a trip in New Hampshire with an amazing minister who's going to be here in May. If you're listening to this after May, you already know how awesome of a minister he is because you came to New Creation Church and you heard him. But Joe Morris and I was driving him around. I brought up this section of scripture, and he said he looked up. What resists means when it says God resists the proud, what it means is that God arrays himself as a soldier going into battle against you. Ow. Wow. God doesn't need to array himself to demonstrate power (laughs) against you. He's really thinking about how he's going to come against you. He's Elohim. He's the almighty God. He doesn't need to put on spiritual warfare or spiritual armor to go after you, but that's how he positions himself against you. So no yes, bueno. you're right, John, you're contradicting yourself. You said that God is for me and he likes me. He does. But when we choose to stand in a position of pride. That's probably all he sees. He sees pride. the pride, not you. Yeah. That's rough. We don't want that. No. You know, there's conditional statements in the Bible. I remember uh, our former youth pastor saying, if might be one of the most important words in the Bible because it tells you what's needed for you to access the promise. So in 2020, there was an awesome worship song that came out, really encouraged the body of Christ in a difficult time. It was called The Blessing. And one part of that, Carrie Job just going for it and say, he's for you, he's for you. Well, you might want to check your heart and ask yourself if you're standing in pride. <laughs> he's against you. He's against <laughs> Yeah, we, and I'm not saying that. Don't hear me and say that God is against you, but you got to learn from the Bible, see what it says, and then adjust our lives accordingly. 
Here's another verse. Proverbs 13.10 in the King James translation says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Say it again. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So this one has been the verse I've been focusing on the most because I'll go throughout the days and people will say things, people will do things, and I just immediately sense like a flow of strife try to flood into my heart, into my body. I get tense. I feel it in my neck. I tense up. And I realize if I wasn't prideful, that wouldn't bother me because if I had no real sense of self, if I had crucified self, who cares what people say? If I'm totally enraptured in God's love, even if people say something against me, that's okay. Forgive them for they know not what they do. I'd have a perspective. Pride is the only reason that it causes such a trigger wow. inside of me. I say, you stay in pride, you might need to go get that checked out at the doctor. You might need to be, do frequent chiropractor sessions. <laughs> you're in a lot of stress in the upper left quadrant. <laughs> that means you're, we were at a, we were at a chiropractor once. Well, my cousin was at a chiropractor and they were, they were like looking at her back and then, they're like, wow, you're really tense in your upper left quadrant. This knot right here. You're carrying a fence towards someone. She was like, uh, what? They said that to her? <laughs> yeah. And she actually was. Sounds and, like uh, Galen. Yeah, she, it might have been. And she kind of got rid of, I mean, she did get rid of it. And he, like, they were able to treat it, but it would always come back if you stayed in unforgiveness. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, is that scientific fact? I don't know, but. To, to say that something like unforgiveness and strife, bitterness doesn't have an effect on your physical body would be foolish because it does in some way, shape, or form. Bible might not address quadrants <laughs> and how it affects your quadrants, but it does say that bitterness and things like it dry up your bones, <laughs> which is honestly probably worse than having something thrown out in the left quadrant. Yeah. Dried up bones. Hmm. Can these bones live? <sighs> Yes, <laughs> you speak to the bones. Yeah, you speak to the speak offense. to the bones. If you have arthritis, there could be a number of reasons. Maybe check if you're in some unforgiveness, because <laughs> it could be drying up your bones. <laughs> the thing is, stay away from pride. Beat that foe in the ring yep. with humility. And here is a great quote from C.S. Lewis on humility. It says, "Humility is not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less." I'll say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And there's a false humility. And it's so easy to fall into, especially if you're a words of affirmation guy. So Gary Chapman's five love languages, my number one is words of affirmation. But there's words of affirmation, physical touch, mm -hmm. acts of service, gifts, yes. quality time. There you go. I'm a words of affirmation guy. And sometimes if you want to fall into some false humility, if you just have that desire, no one does, but we do it naturally, is you'll know you're really good at something. For example, I might think I'm really good at skiing. I'm not good at skiing. But then if somebody goes, do you live in Colorado? And I'm going to ski with you. And then are like, yeah, I'm not that good. And then they ski with you. And then they go, what, why did you say that? You're amazing. You just say you're not good. So they can counteract that by validating what you already feel in your heart. I've done that a I've lot. I've done that life. a lot as well. Or it's just self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is pride. Anytime you're thinking and consuming and focusing on yourself. I had mentioned this to you recently. But if you ever go to Rima, Rima, Rima. 
That's how they say it in Australia, but I'm not talking about Rhema, Australia. If you go to Rhema Bible Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, you can walk around the whole sanctuary. There's like a hallway that goes around the whole sanctuary. And a large portion of it has meters throughout the whole hallway. Man, I think that's just a test for people. Because a lot of times I'll be walking, but I'm not looking forward. I'm just looking to see how my walk is. I'm looking to see how my outfit is. I'm just staring at myself in the mirror. They even wrapped like the support beams, the pillars, the load-bearing pillars. They wrapped them 360 degrees in mirrors. Like, why? I think there could be a reason, like if you're going around a corner to see what's on the corner. But there's so many mirrors. And there's times where I'll walk and I'll be like, I don't need to be staring at myself this much. Or you go to the bathroom, you, you always like... It's good to check yourself, make sure that you don't have food in your teeth. I don't do that enough. I get food in my teeth all the time, partly because I love eating cilantro. I'm telling you, (laughs) cilantro will get in your teeth. But if you're staring at yourself and looking at it, that's self-centeredness, and you're moving into pride. Not guaranteed, just something to take with God and judge yourself about. (laughs) So watch out for pride overtly when you think yourself is great or a false humility where you're just focusing on yourself. You're making it all about you. You say you're not great at something so somebody can validate how great you really are. We've been there. I'm going real. I'm going deep. I'm going in. Yes. So how do we counteract this formidable foe in the ring, this pride? And I just think a great way to do it is thankfulness. And even the two words, thank you, is an immediate expression of humility. Because it acknowledges whenever you tell somebody thank you, that the current result is not of your own effort, your works, or your ability. It belongs to the person who is being thanked. So the moment I go, hey, thank you so much for so-and-so, for this, for what you did, for your thoughtfulness. I'm taking that focus off of me, and I'm putting it on to them. And this really became real to me on my trip to New Hampshire because I was... There, and I didn't even necessarily know why I was there. That seems strange. Like, John, you you paid for to get on a flight. You got a rental car. You drove there. You planned out the trip. You should know why you're there. But people kept asking, like, how are you here? Why are you here? What's your relationship with the person hosting the conference? And I realized I had only met that person once. And now I'm staying in a house with them. And I don't know exactly why I'm here. And then he asked me to share before a service with Joe Morris, who's that awesome minister who's coming. And his buddy is a full-time traveling minister. And he said, you guys are going to split the prayer school before the meeting. I don't care how you do it. So the traveling evangelist, he's older than me. I just let him, you know, how do you want to do it? He said, you start off, I'll finish it. I said, great. So I had a start prepped. I can set the tone of how I want this meeting to go. Uh, Right before that prayer school starts, the host of the conference says, the traveling evangelist is going to start. John, you'll finish. And the guy gets up there like somebody lit a fire under his rump. And he's just going wild. He's like, and this is what the Bible says. And he's going up on the stage and he's yelling. And he's going back and forth. And he's got long hair. And he's like tossing his hair back. And then he's like, give me five minutes, John. And then it's all yours. And uh, I just don't minister old school R.W. Shambach style. <laughs> So when he hands it to me, everyone's looking at me like, what are you going to do with this meeting? And I just wanted to focus on being thankful because I was honestly super thankful to be there. And I shared this. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18 because this is where I went. 
says this, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we went from this high energy moment in the presence of God where he's like spit fire in the word of God. And I said, hey, this is a holy moment. You want to be in the perfect will of God. And I know at least for a lot of millennials, uh, I don't know so much about Gen Z, but I've seen a lot of my generation like, am I in the will of God? Am I in the perfect will of God? Oh, should I be here? Should I be doing something else? And they just spin their wheels. They get anxious. It doesn't produce any fruit. I said, you can know that you are in the perfect will of God and experience a holy moment. Come on, everybody right here. Just put your hands in the air and just say, thank you, Father. Thank you. And focus on that. Because it says it's the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Sure, there may be so many things going on outside of this moment, but the moment you take a second and say, thank you. Focusing on God, you are in the perfect will of God. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'll add, I know I've been really quiet. I've just been sipping on my coffee, checking the levels. Thank you for checking those levels, man. When he's talking about levels, he's talking about the microphone levels. Yeah, we're recording in a, in a new with a new device. So if it sounds good, let us know. If it sounds bad, keep it to yourself. No, I was kidding. No, when when we're talking about giving thanks, when you told everybody to just take a moment and start thanking the Lord for what you have, what he's done, where he's brought you, what that does is it brings you to a place of contentment. Um, and just being a father, um, I'm more inclined to buy my children more gifts when I see them being content and satisfied with what they already have with what I've already given them so there's times when they're not acknowledging uh the poly pockets I got them a few weeks ago and they're already asking for more I was like well no you're not content with what you already have why would I give you more and I don't tell them that because they're very young they wouldn't understand that but just from a father's perspective I think you know the Lord is wanting to bless you he's wanting to reveal his perfect will, the next step, but he's looking for you to be thankful and content in the place that you already are. And that was the key to really Paul's uh, attitude. He said, I've figured it out, man, whether I'm abased or whether I abound, I'm, I'm content. So no matter where you're at in the will of God, whether you feel like you're in it or not, taking time to be thankful, get to a place of contentment, and then I believe God can reveal the next step. I want to ask you this question because this came up at the conference one of the ministers has a young child, and he's like, I want my child to have the best of the best. I want him to have Jordan shoes. I want him to be this way. And people say, you're going to spoil your kid. And he said, there's only one way, biblically, that you can spoil your kid. And his message or his thought was, if I don't correct my child. If I don't bring correction, then I'll spoil my kid. But the Bible doesn't say anything about like giving your kid too much of something good. As long as you're correcting him. I'd always take it another way. I think the difference between being spoiled and being blessed is being thankful. Well, yeah, I think maybe you correct them when they're not thankful. That's a touchy subject. I don't want to step on a bunch of parents' toes. I don't think that there's a ton of biblical evidence for you or needing the very best. I think God wants to make sure that you're taken care of, and that doesn't mean that you're barely going to scrap by. I mean, I think that he can completely bless you um if you're if you're spending your money wisely and you can afford it and you're teaching thanksgiving and correction then who cares but that's that's an individual thing there's no objective answer to that yeah i just wanted to add um, it because i think it goes i, I, I want my kids to wear jordans i want a pair of jordans but they're expensive <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, when he made a point, I'm not wasting all my money. This nice polo shirt that my son's wearing right now, I got on eBay at a very discounted rate. But it's still an awesome right. shirt. The motivation, for, it would be why are you wanting to wear that so people can notice that they're wearing Jordans? Or do you just really like Jordans? But why do you really like Jordans? Most, if you if you peel back the layers, most people really like Jordans and and Gucci and all that stuff, and because it's a status symbol. You know, I can't get into now the motive getting, fallacy. Yeah. It's a fall, motive fallacy. I don't know anyone's motive. No. But there is something to this, maybe off topic, but I'm just going to say it. The Bible says that if God gave us Christ, how would He not with Him freely give us all things? Paul said he gave the rich all things to enjoy, to be generous with it. People go, well, my kids need to know how to earn it. And like, which there's validity to. Yeah. I wished my parents probably taught me a little bit more on how to have confidence in going out and making things because they did bless me a lot with things. But I want to ask this as a kind of counter, not necessarily because I'm passionate about it, but just a thought. What have you earned that your father gave you spiritually? Nothing. So... Before we take really strong stances on any of this, which I appreciate you did, follow the Holy Spirit. What is he telling you to do in your parenting? Uh, But don't get so counter what somebody else does. Follow God in your life. 80% of, yeah, I would say 80% of the Lululemon I own is hand-me-down from my (laughs) (laughs) father-in-law. But I'm really thankful because I didn't have to pay that price tag. It is. My wife... uh, was looking at Louis, just like men's shirts on sale. I think eighty <laughs> she bucks. Like, she was like five shirts. It was like two hundred bucks. That's and she's nuts. like, uh, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, it's okay. I don't want you to do that. Yeah. Uh, just funny. But okay, back to my subject. In everything, <laughs> give thanks. So this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're anxious about being in the will of God, a good starting place is to always start with the revealed will of God. And you can find it in First Thessalonians five. Three things. It says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. If you operate in those three, I guarantee you those things that you're nervous about, where you should work, where you should live, who you should marry, they will start to become more clear as you operate in the revealed will of God. And I'm telling you, you will be blessed. But really, thankfulness can have its expression in the ring while you pray. Because prayer, even prayer, is an operation of humility. If you are prideful, you won't pray. Because you got it handled in yeah. yourself. Why would you waste the time that you could be figuring out the solution? Yeah. Don't pray. Don't. If you got it, don't pray. But the moment you pray, you're operating in humility. But Paul brought this up. And there, we talked about the prayers of Paul, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Philippians 1, Colossians 1. I'm not going to go through the details. Go listen to Pray Like Paul. There are a few episodes back. But those are the prayers that Paul prayed. But then Paul told us to pray other prayers. One of those being Philippians 4, 6. It says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Here's another one that we've been going over here at New Creation Church in the mornings, Monday through Wednesday. You can come join us. First Timothy 2, 1. Another prayer that Paul told us to pray. It says, therefore I exhort, which means encourage First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So often we talk about this section of scripture about praying for leaders. And that's hard enough to do when you don't agree with the direction they're taking America. But 
it says, giving of thanks be made for all men. Man, that's another level. It's one level to pray for somebody. It's another level to figure out a way that you can be thankful for them. But I got on this path, and this is really why the name of this podcast is called Genealogy of Humility. I realized that God has operated through people my entire life. And really, without the people that were obedient to God, whether they recognized it or not, I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't have been at that conference. And it started that conference because people were asking, why are you here? How do you know Joey? He's the guy who had the conference. And I said, I only met him once. And I started thinking of how I got there. And I realized that if it wasn't for Joey, I wouldn't be there. But then if it wasn't for Nicolette Castro, I wouldn't have met Joey. Because Nicolette Castro was in Guatemala on a mission trip. And she said that I reminded her of the Roberts brothers. Well, I looked him up and I thought, he'd be pretty fun to have at a youth conference. And then I reached out to him and he came to my youth conference. I wouldn't have met Joey if it wasn't for Nicolette Castro. But I wouldn't have met Nicolette Castro if it wasn't for Pastor Ray Jean Wilson, who's the pastor of West Coast Life Church in Marietta, California. If he hadn't decided to take a trip to Guatemala, would have never met her. But I wouldn't have met Pastor Ray Jean Wilson if I hadn't known missionary Harry Wilson. Because Harry Wilson is a missionary to Guatemala and he invited me to live in his house, be an intern for six weeks in Guatemala and help with that team. But I wouldn't have known missionary Harry Wilson if it wasn't for Pastor Mark Midliff, who they knew each other from Rama, who had a relationship with him. I wouldn't have been invited if I wasn't here connected to New Creation Church. But I wouldn't be going to New Creation Church if it wasn't for two redneck Floridians. Who came into my parents' store when I was 12 years old? This guy had a pot belly. He had a deep panhandle accent. And he was creeping me out as a 12 year old. My heart was not moving towards being a committed church member, it was going the direct opposite. He sat down with me, held the football that I had. He grabbed the football, talked to me about Tim Tebow because Tim Tebow was playing for the Florida Gators. But he didn't know you at all. He stopped into your parents' store. No, yeah. Like Thank the you for Lord, bringing that up. The Lord brought him to He was your driving just store. on 19, uh, 19, not 1980. State 82? Highway 82. He was driving and he felt led to stop at the store. And he was just walking around trying to see what the appointment was. And he felt that the appointment was for me. So he was just trying to engage in small talk, but he really wanted to get something spiritual across to me. So he's holding the football and he said, You go to church? And I said, ah. Like, no, church is full of hypocrites. I don't need to go to church. Look at me now. I'm very committed to church. But he said, when you're 16, you will have a license. You will have the opportunity to go back to church. And I started going to church faithfully. I think I missed one week in a whole year from not at all when I turned 16. Well, he liked the credit. He said, and you will go. He put his fat redneck hand on my head in the (laughs) middle of my mom's antique store and started declaring things over me. Wow. But I wouldn't have gotten to that moment or been open to any kind of faith if it wasn't for my mom when I was just a baby. She was watching televangelist Kenneth Copeland and she got on fire for God. My dad wasn't even saved, wasn't even saved. And she told my dad, hey, I got to go to Branson, Missouri. We got to go to Branson, Missouri and go to some Christian meetings. He goes, why am I going to go to televangelist meetings in Branson, Missouri? She said, you can get antiques on the way there, on the way back. We're going to drive. You can work. I just want to go to the meetings, and I'll take care of Johnny. 
They threw clothes and trash bags, loaded up the truck, and we took off for Branson, Missouri. She breastfed me in a Kenneth Copeland meeting, man. Glory. Look at the genealogy wow. of people that have helped me get where I'm going. And honestly, I wouldn't be working here at the church full time if it wasn't for you, Pastor Jonathan, mm-hmm. because I was working here one day a week. Thanks to my youth pastor who recommended me being a good worker who could help the maintenance team. And another gentleman at the church was going to get an apartment. He asked me, but I needed more income. He said, well, let me talk to Pastor Mark. I think maybe you can come on full time. And I came on full time. I can't take credit for any of that. It immediately takes the view, the prestige, the competency off of me and onto those that were obedient through God's call. I'm thankful for all these people in my life. And I encourage you, if you want to get out of the molly grubs, start getting a hopeful view for your future. Start a genealogy of humility. Thank you for your th- for your thanks. Thanks for your thanks. <laughs> you know, you said this, which it just made me laugh. I heard a minister talking about this when you said church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you don't say that now, but no. you said that back then. Um, I heard a minister say, like, that's the equivalent of going into a gym and you walk around and you see people who are out of shape and you go, are you kidding me? Like, this is a gym. The, the sole purpose for this place to exist is for people to be fit. Why is that person out of shape? Why is that person out of shape? This is a, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Which was silly because the goal of the gym is not to just house a bunch of really fit people. It's to grow people and help people get to their desired goal. And so when we talk about the church that way, yes, there will be hypocrites in the church. This minister even ventured to say, like, maybe that's why the church exists. Not to house and keep people in the place of hypocrisy, but to take you no matter where you're at in your spiritual walk, even if you're a full-blown hypocrite, and grow you to a place where you do and say what you actually believe. So it's good to keep that perspective in all areas of life. Um, You know, even as a Christian looking at maybe a different organization, just be careful how you're judging it. And then I I was also thinking about like this picture that people use for a meme and it's like a iceberg, right? And like just a a very small portion of it, uh, three eighths of it are, are up at the top and then the rest is underneath the water that goes down hundreds of feet. And so it's like you don't really know uh, what happened. Yeah, under the surface. Thank you. You don't really know what it took to get to that point. You don't know the type of seed that was sown. Sown and growing. Yeah, yeah. That's all I need to say. Yeah. Don't judge a man's harvest until you know the seed that he's put in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But like you, I talked, I don't need to say anymore. I just keep keep saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking about. Well, just, yeah, just the genealogy of things. And somebody would be sitting in that meeting, and if you hadn't said that, they might be judging you like, why is he so special? Why does he get to be there? Well, it's like, look at everything that was set up beforehand. And I was actually given an amazing leather bag. Yeah, I've seen that leather That's bag. It's pretty cool. It's it doesn't great. really fit me. I, I set a picture in the passenger seat to my wife. She's like, oh, nice purse. <laughs> like, ooh, but I still Ouch. rock it. Uh, this guy from new england who had a real strong new england accent he was a retired like 20 year police officer which just seems like a new england thing for some degree uh he was sitting in that meeting and he would even though all the videos were on facebook this guy would sit there in the second row he was like in pretty good shape and he would take his iphone and set it vertical and record everything that happened in the meetings i'm like 
what gig do you have on your phone, man? Because this is hours of videos. Like, oh, I got 256 gig. I'm like, you have to. But he's like, he came up to me after the meeting. He's like, when you got up there, after what the first guy had to say, I'm like, I wouldn't want to be that guy. And I'm like, I didn't want to be that guy, man. He said, but you killed it. You killed it. And the next day he's like, honey, what did I say about this kid? <laughs> and she's like, uh, uh, he's like, I said that I've never met anyone more humble. And it was great what he said, but it was kind of hard to follow because it was like the genealogy of Jesus, how he mentioned all those <laughs> names. <laughs> so that's it. And I really believe if you're wondering, oh, I don't want to miss it in life. Stay humble and you won't miss it. Amen. That's, good, that's the wisdom of the day for me. That's the wisdom of the day for you. Um, my wisdom of the day is something that I said, <laughs> but it was sparked off of what you were talking about, about knowing the perfect will of God. And you took that, t- you took the time in the beginning of the meeting to have everybody slow down and just give thanks. And what that does is it brings you to a place of contentment and then it inclines the Lord. And this isn't doctrine. I can't prove this, but I believe that it inclines the Lord to start revealing more of the unique individual will. When you operate in the overall will and are content in where you're at, he will reveal the unique individual will that's specific to your life. Amen. Glory. It's good. It is. How are the levels? Uh, they're good. The awesome. levels are good. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll pray, and then we'll send you into the rest of your day. Thanks for joining us. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you uh, that we would just be more thankful, that we would take those two words, thank you, and we use them in the ring against pride, recognizing that we are what we are by the grace of God, just like what Paul said that grace would work in our life. We'd meditate on how much you love us, how you're for us, how it's by you. And we'd allow that to reflect through our life, to do things that you've called us to do that we couldn't do in our own strength. God, this is a turning point year for us. Uh, things are gonna be completely different here in a couple months for so many people who are following after you. So help us stay close, stay humble, and use us just like all those others that have been used in our lives to bring us to the place that you have for us, Father God. You're good. Your plan is great. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've always wanted to say this, even though it doesn't make sense for this context, but uh, you heard it here first, folks, <laughs> on the Sewing and Growing podcast with J&J. <laughs>